Hello, hey, hey, America. Welcome to Cry, Let It All Out with Sweet D, Sweetness, or Cry. You can call me Daryl too if you'd like. Uh, let's get into our podcast about Tupac and Biggie. We love and miss them so very much. The greatest rap artists that ever lived. We're doing The Killing of Tupac Shakur by Kathy Scott, and we only have two chapters left. Next, we're doing Michael Jackson. I got a poem for us at the end. Chapter 12 we're on. It's called Dead or Alive. Let's begin, America. Even though Tupac Shakur was gunned down on the streets of Las Vegas in front of at least 100 people, there are those who refuse to believe that he died from the wounds he suffered that hot September night. Dead or alive is the question that has surfaced again and again concerning the 25-year-old gangster rap artist and film star. Some people, no matter what they hear or see, have chosen to believe Tupac is still alive. No. Sequestered somewhere in Cuba with sightings in Manhattan and Arizona, perhaps because of its proximity to Las Vegas, South America, and the Caribbean. New conspiracy theories claiming Tupac is still alive crop up every day. The World Wide Web is cluttered with their rationalizations. Internet chat rooms are full of dialogue discussions where he did in fact pass away. At the top of the list is the seven-day theory. Tupac was shot on September 7th. The numbers in his age, 2-5, add up to 7. Rapper Chuck D, who sings with Public Enemy, has posted Chuck D's 18 compelling reasons why Tupac is not dead on the internet. They include the Machiavelli theory, named after the Italian philosopher Machiavelli, who talked about faking his own death in his works. Tupac was introduced to Machiavelli, including his book, The Prince, first in high school and later in prison. He would make references to Machiavelli to friends. He named his last album Machiavelli the Seven Day Theory, thus the Machiavelli and the Seven Day Theory. Another of Chuck D's compelling reasons, the cover of Tupac's next album has Tupac looking like Jesus Christ, could he be planning a resurrection? Chuck D also claims that Las Vegas is still very much a mob town. No one gets killed on the strip. You have to pretty much get permission in order for something like this to happen. Who was calling the shots on this one? Much of the speculation maintains that medical examiners never did an autopsy, that Tupac's remains weren't cremated at the Davis Mortuary mortuary employees claim they were and that his mother helped him secure a new identity so he could spend the rest of his days out of the limelight in quiet Cuba. So prominent are the rumors the police and county officials have been forced to comment on them. Metro Police Lieutenant Wayne Peterson told an Associated Press reporter the public believes he staged his own death for whatever reason. The University Medical Center where Tupac died has been deluged with phone calls. The rumor started probably a couple of weeks after he died. Dale Pug, a hospital spokesman, said it kind of escalated for a while, then tapered off. But we still get an occasional call. Apparently, there's a lot of stuff on the Internet claiming he's still alive, and that may be refueling the rumors.
I have a son in high school, and he comes home and tells me that he hears Tupac is still alive, that his death was a hoax, and that there was a giant conspiracy to allow him to escape to a more favorable environment. We get calls from people saying they hear the doctor who cared for him has been arrested by the FBI and that the FBI is investigating a conspiracy. It's gotten pretty wild. There's the big rumor, said Rod Flood, the Clark County coroner, that's taken on a life of its own. TV called me and said, we understand that Tupac's not dead. I told them, well, I can guarantee you he's not down at Kmart with Elvis. There is a side. The fact is that Tupac is dead. Here's the proof. First, for Tupac to have faked his own death, he would have had to have the cooperation of not only his family and friends and associates, but of the Clark County Sheriff, the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department's patrol traffic and bike cops, general assignment and homicide detectives, criminalist investigators, lab technicians, dispatchers, and public affairs officer. Nevada Highway Patrol Troopers and Dispatchers, Mercy Ambulance Paramedics and Dispatchers, Clark County Fire Department Firefighters, Paramedics and Dispatchers, University Medical Center Nurses, Doctors and Administrators, the Clark County Coroner and his entire staff of examiners, technicians and clerks, not to mention reporters and photographers who were on the scene shortly after the shooting. In other words, it would take a conspiracy of epic proportions. Much of the speculation seems to stem from the air of secretness surrounding post-mortem activities. Dale Pug thought about this a lot. I suspect one of the reasons this still goes around is the media never say the body leave the hospital because we didn't want to turn that into some sort of circus. His body went out another exit from the hospital, from the back. That was our decision based on respect for the patient and based on respect for the family and based on the large number of people outside the hospital. We were uncertain as to what might happen and felt that it would be better to take another approach, and we did. As soon as he passed away, we called the media, and as soon as the body was out of the hospital, we again notified the media. Friends and relatives were allowed to see Tupac in the intensive care unit at University Medical Center, where he lay for six days in a coma until his death on September 13, 1996. After he succumbed to his wounds, Tupac's mother, Efeni, positively identified her son at the hospital. His body was quickly moved to the coroner's office where an autopsy was performed. At a typical autopsy, coroner Ron Flood said, the people normally in the room are the pathologist, forensic technician, the crime scene analyst, and detectives assigned to the case. Look at the number of people who would have had to be involved in this to say that there's some kind of conspiracy or cover-up to facilitate Tupac. I never even heard of Tupac before the shooting. The coroner's office in Las Vegas keeps busy. In the fastest-growing city in America, with four to 6,000 people moving to Las Vegas Valley each month and more than 30 million tourists visiting each year, the crime rate has grown nearly as rapidly as the population. Murders in the Las Vegas Valley skyrocketed to an all-time high in 1996. 
Tupac was one of 207 people murdered in the Clark County in that year. After Tupac's body was taken by a mortuary ambulance to the morgue, a decision was made by both Clark County Coroner Flood, along with a sergeant and two detectives from homicide, to go ahead with the autopsy that evening. It's not unusual for the process to move quickly in Las Vegas. Examiners often perform autopsies on victims the same day their bodies are brought in, especially in homicide cases. In this case, for security reasons, the coroner didn't want the body to stay in the morgue overnight. Too many people knew where the coroner's offices were, around the corner from the hospital, where a 24-hour vigil had begun six days earlier following the shooting. Hundreds of people had flocked to the hospital when they heard the news. It was too risky to keep the body until the next day. Often homicide detectives followed the coroner to his office so they could witness the autopsy not long after a homicide is committed. Homicide Sergeant Manning and Detective Becker and Franks met the ambulance at the coroner's office. The investigators were in the coroner's examining room as medical examiners performed Tupac's post-mortem exam. The coroner finished, the coroner finished with his examination, autopsy, and coroner's report and handed over Tupac's body to David Davis Mortuary. Davis employees in turn cremated Tupac's body at Affinity Shakur's request. Affinity, after a brief memorial service in Las Vegas with friends and families, returned to her home in Georgia 24 hours after her only son was pronounced dead. The ashes were later scattered over a grassy area in Los Angeles where Tupac had lived the last years of his life. A small group of family and friends attended the private informal ceremony. Keith Klinkscales, an executive at Buy Magazine, issued a statement about the rumors. Tupac had a huge presence in the community that loved and respected him. His death was a human tragedy, he said. Yes, it was. Calling such rumors cruel and unkind to the secure family. These rappers are not comic book heroes. They are real people. Tupac did die. Naysayers argue that no photographs showing Tupac's injuries were ever seen, but photos were taken, plenty of them. They just never made it to the press. Any photo of Tupac Shakur in the hospital or in the coroner's office would have fetched a tidy sum from tabloid periodicals, so they were and still are kept under lock and key. Lieutenant Brad Simpson, who oversees Metro's criminalistics unit, which includes the photo lab, said his office's photos of Tupac Shakur investigation had been locked up. The only copies of homicide photos that we keep, he said, are one set kept with the crime scene reports and one with homicide. There was interest from some of the tabloids in getting some of those photos, Simpson said. The tabloids offered a lot of money, but they didn't get any photos. They made the offer to the coroner's office. We knew that after the John Bonet Ramsey case in Boulder, Colorado, we had to be careful. We have tighter controls here. County Coroner Ron Flood was surprised when he received a mysterious call from a man who told the receptionist the call was personal. Flood took the call in his office. 
The person was being clandestine and said he represented a client who would like to purchase something and would like to meet with me. I told him I don't meet with people. He said, well, you have some photos. I knew at that point where he was headed. I stopped him and said, no. At that point, he hung up on me. Fred said he assumed the man calling was from a tabloid magazine, but he didn't stay on the phone. He didn't stay on the phone long enough to find out. He knew about reports of other calls to Metro offering as much as a hundred thousand for a photo. Because of the Globe and the National Enquirer, the photos are under lock and key. Brad Simpson agreed. It's a policy violation. We probably fire the son of a B two. Photos were taken during and after Tupac's autopsy by a number of different people. All but one have been accounted for and secured. The one that got away is published in the center photo spread of this book. The photo is explicit. It's not easy to look at. That's because it's real. It's the image of Tupac Shakur lying on a gurney at the morgue with his chest open. That's what coroners do when they autopsy bodies. A skull and crossbones tattoo on his right arm are clear and recognizable. The incision doctors made a few days earlier to remove his light right lung is visible, just about thug, on his lower chest. However graphic and gruesome it may be, the photograph in this book should forever dispel any theory that Tupac faked his own death. Journalist Veronica Chambers, who interviewed Tupac while he was on the set of Poetic Justice, wrote in Esquire, of all the rumors and conspiracy theories I've heard since Tupac died, only one has reverberated inside my head. I've heard that Tupac isn't really dead, a friend said. Why did they cremate the body right away in Las Vegas where they had no family or friends? I shrugged. I make it a point never to argue down conspiracy theories. What I heard is that if any has had Tupac's identity changed and shipped him to Cuba... As I listened to my friend, what surprised me was how my heart leaped at the thought of Tupac alive. On the set, I asked Tupac if he didn't think that the staying in the valley instead of going out and instigating all the trouble he did would make him live longer. He looked at me as if I were crazy. It would be an honor to die in the hood, he said solemnly, as if he were reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. Don't let me die in Saudi Arabia. These MFers are rushing with the flag to die on foreign soil, fighting for MFers that don't care about us. I'd rather die in the hood where I get my love. I'm not saying I want to die, but if I got to die, let me die in the line of duty, the duty of the hood. Snoop Doggy Dogg, a fellow MC with Tupac at Death Row Records, perhaps said it best. People need to let him rest in peace. Let the rumor rest in peace, he told reporters, because it's a hard pill to swallow. People don't want to accept it, so they're going to keep that myth or that philosophy going on as long as they can because his music lives on and he's a legend. You know what I'm saying? When you make legendary music, people don't want to believe you're gone like Elvis. They keep saying Elvis ain't dead, but it's just all about the individual himself. He was a legend, and everybody don't want to let it go. 
That's chapter 12, Dead or Alive. Let's move on to the eulogy, chapter 13, the last chapter in The Killing of Tupac Shakur by Kathy Scott. Since his death, Tupac has been called a black prince, a revolutionary, an icon for Generation X, a hip-hop Lazarus, a brother for black America. Yes, that's what he is. Very nice. Some see only the tattoos and the jewelry, the body language as a way of describing him, or the angry words and the defiant messages. They can't get past his persona. Still others see Tupac as a young Malcolm X speaking for young black America, the voice they couldn't find for themselves. And others see him as the most talented singer ever in rap music history. Yes, he was, America. Too many, Tupac Shakur was a figure of violence who became a victim of the same violent gang culture he glorified, shot down on the streets of Las Vegas and a gangster-like killing. Those who knew him best saw him as a force moving toward the truth, cut down before he could mature and reach his full potential, before he had a chance to come into his own. He was young, not yet matured, they said. They felt his anger, his frustration, his pain. They have called him the 90s Elvis or John Lennon or Jimi Hendrix or Jim Morrison or Sammy Davis Jr. or any other famous singer who was also a symbol of something bigger than himself. Than himself. To me, I feel that my game is strong, Tupac told Tony Patrick. I feel as though I'm a shining prince just like Malcolm and feel that all of us are shining princes. And if we live like shining princes, then whatever we want can be ours. Tupac considered his music spiritual, like the old Negro spirituals, except for the fact that I'm not saying we shall overcome, he explained. I'm saying we are overcome. Many people believe Tupac was a promising talent who wound up a casualty of a society that destroys African-American youth males in particular. It's not just a belief among many that the black man in America today is as endangered is an endangered species. It's based on actual statistics. If the drugs don't get them, the violence will. And if the violence doesn't get them, the cops and the justice system eventually will bring them down. Writer Kevin Power elaborated, There's a perception in the black community that if you're young and black and male and happen to be making lots of money, you are vulnerable to attacks from the system or the powers that be. You know what I think E-40, a San Francisco rapper who once recorded with Tupac Aspen magazine? Tupac is looking down on us saying, y'all don't know what you're missing up here. We're the ones in hell. The killing of Tupac Shakur heightened the debate about whether the gangster rap promotes violence or is just a reflection of the ugly mood on the streets. A dark aura of violence looms over the hip-hop music industry. To some, Tupac, with his tattoos that promoted firearms, had it coming. To others, Tupac's songs spoke against the gun culture of the ghetto. And young niggas, he said, don't want to be another statistic out here doing nothing, trying to maintain in this dirty game, keep it real, and I will even 
if it kills me, my young niggas stay away from these dumb niggas, put down the gun, and have some fun, nigga. After Biggie Smalls was shot to death, Quincy Jones, who would have been Tupac's father-in-law had he survived, wrote in Vibe magazine. When will it end? When will the senseless killing of our hip-hop heroes cease? I thought Tupac's death was going to be the end of it, but the psychodrama keeps going. The murder of Christopher Wallace is the latest of what is becoming a pathetic string of deaths and and around the rap community. And the speed with which the media turned this unnecessary tragedy into evidence of a rap war, a slave revenge, makes me worried that we haven't heard the last shots ring out yet. I love hip-hop. To me, it's a kindred spirit to bebop, the music that started my career. But I also know history, the gangster lifestyle that is so often glorified and heralded in this music is not keeping it real. It is fake, not even entertainment, a sad farce at best, and a grim tragedy at worst. Real is being shot five times with real bullets. Real is having a promising life ended at 24 years of age by somebody you might call brother. If that's keeping it real, it is up to all of us to redefine what real means to the hip-hop nation. Ultimately, love is real. In a prepared statement the day after Biggie's death, Quincy Jones said he was absolutely stunned. This death, as well as the death of Tupac Shakur, Easy e from AIDS, Marvin Gaye, and so many more young people who we never heard about are senseless acts that should never have happened. I spent my formative years growing up in Gangster Central on the south side of Chicago, so I'm no stranger to random violence, he said. If life continues to imitate art this way, it will result in self-inflicted genocide. We all need to reevaluate what our priorities are, or else we have nothing to look forward to except more of this madness. He said he had developed a close personal relationship with the superstar rappers over the last 10 years. It's witnessing their genius and compassion that makes incidents such as these particularly disturbing to me. No formal funeral service was held for the slain rapper. This was at the request of his family, who said he would not have wanted one. In fact, the family told reporters that Tupac had talked about his death and had specifically stated that he didn't want a funeral if he were to die. He told friends when he was in high school that when he died, they could snort his ashes and get high off him. His mother took his ashes home to Georgia to the house Tupac had brought for her through death row. Later, she get, scattered them over a neighborhood park in L.A. But spontaneous celebrations of Tupac's life were held all over the country. Friends remembered Tupac at the Civic Center in Atlanta, Georgia, certain, shortly after his death. They called it Keep Your Head Up. The Celebration of Tupac Shakur, a three-hour tribute of speeches, poetry reading, dance, and music. I know people are sad, but I am here, and we are here to celebrate Pac and continue on with the spirit of Fanny Shakur, said of her son.
Shark G and Money B, members of Digital Underground, where Tupac's professional music career began, issued a statement after Tupac died. If you want to mourn, do it for your own personal loss, they said. Don't mourn for Pac. Remember him for his art, and don't be sad for his death. Pac lived a short, fast, concentrated, and intense life. He lived a 70-year life in 25 years. He went out the way he wanted, in the glitter of the gangster life, hit records on the charts, new movie in the can, and money in the pocket. All Pac wanted was to hear himself on the radio and see himself on the muley screen. He did all that and more. Tupac was mourned at his boyhood church, the House of the Lord Pentecostal Church in Brooklyn, New York, where he joined at the age 15 with his mother and sister. Tupac left Brooklyn in his teens, but was still listed as a member of the congregation until his, what? Until his death. Who will weep for Tupac Shakur, the Reverend Herbert Daughtry asked mourners at the memorial service. I will weep for Tupac. I will weep for all our youth. He had the genes. He had the ability. Could we have provided the society that would have made him blossom? Daughtry had said that Tupac's self-proclaimed ambition to be a revolutionary against injustice to blacks was just as real as Martin's and Malcolm's, referring to Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. I know that there are those who say he went about the wrong way, joining the gangster culture he glorified in his lyrics. Daughtry said, it's, but it's not for me to judge. Shakur's death will be cited as justification for yet another campaign against hardcore rap and troublesome lyrics. So a man sings about death and killing, and then the man is killed, he wrote. There is a great temptation for many to view one event as the result of the other. And in Tupac Shakur's case, there are some grounds for this assessment. He did more than sing about violence. He also participated in a fair amount of it. As Secure himself once said in words that Time Magazine appropriated for its headline covering his murder, what goes round comes round. Still, I think it would be a great disservice to dismiss Secure's work and life with any quick and glib headline summations. It's like burying the man without hearing him. The rap writer Kevin Powell seemed to put it in perspective when he eulogized Tupac in the same issue of Rolling Stone. He was a complex human being, both brilliant and foolish, very funny and deadly serious, friendly and eager to please, but also bad-tempered and prone to violence, a lover of his people and of a woman, but also a peace divider and a convicted sex offender. He, he didn't do that. Tupac shouldn't have been put in jail, America. Generous to a fault, but also a dangerous gambler when it came to his personal and professional life. Incredibly talented, but at times frivolously short-sighted. To me, Shakur was the most important solo artist in the history of rap. Yes, not because he was the most talented. He wasn't. I believe he was America. But because he, more than any other rapper, personified and articulated what it was to be a young black male in America.
But the demons of Shakur's childhood, the poverty, the sense of displacement, the inconsistent relationship with his mother, the absence of a regular father figure haunted the rapper all his life. In his song, Dear Mama, he sings, When I was young, me and... Me and my mama had beefs, 17 years old, kicked out on the streets. I'm going to stop there, America. Uh, Now you know we're on the last chapter of The Killing of Tupac Shakur with Kathy Scott. Uh, And it's the eulogy, chapter 13. We'll finish up that chapter on the next podcast, and we'll begin, we'll do a review of the book, and then we might begin with Michael Jackson next time or the time after that. Here's a poem, America, that I love. It's a rap song or a poem that I love very much. Uh, I'm going to read it again in case you didn't catch it before. It's not what you say, it's what you do that makes a statement, as remarkable as the skies being blue. When the sun sets, take time to think what hasn't been finished. It's time for you to figure out what's most important to you. It's your life, keep the faith, it can come true. Others may try to sway your ambitions if you let them. It's you who suffers those inhibitions. Listen, I wouldn't tell you anything without a reason. I made it through the coldest winters and blossomed in the spring and summer seasons. My patience and determination to reach heights some may have thought unachievable to me, it was something I could not control. Deep inside my heart and soul, I just can't let it go. Tell me, have you ever had the feeling so deep, so powerful, that no matter how hard you tried, it just wouldn't let go? An addiction for some, and this for me. It's the same thing. I love to do it. I want to do it. Every day and every way. Every day and every way, I feel special for the world to discover. Finding unlocked territory. Inhabited, leaving them with much to remember. Favorite month, October. Birth dates of mine and my mother's. My situation is never the worst. I figured I'd been given what he couldn't knew, what he knew I could endure. Nothing you could do or say has any effect. I feel no pain. Anyway, I mean I've been numbed. I sometimes show emotion, but most of the time when I do, it wasn't worth all the fussing. If you show too much, it gets taken as a weakness. I find that to be ridiculous, but it's my views that I'm speaking. You don't have to agree with me. I like difference. Your opinion could present new flicks that I've yet to see featured. Plots, storylines, we've all got one. This is a touch of mine. Perspective is how the finished first run may appear until someone comes along who you can feel that can initiate other novel ideas. Thank you, America. This is Cry Let It All Out with Sweet D, dedicated to Tupac and Biggie, the greatest rappers that ever lived, as well as Martin Luther King, John Lennon, 
John F. Kennedy, Bob Marley, Whitney Houston, Aaliyah, Aretha Franklin, and the list goes on. Thank you, America. Hope you enjoyed the show. See you next time. I love you very much, America. Mwah.